Welcome back into Talk Off, everybody. Happy New Year. It is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. And today, we'll be tackling the difficult issue of climate change and geopolitical controversies. Absolutely. Don't forget, we're going to uh, unpack the Vietnam War and why we were there. Which is still ongoing. It never ended. People still argue about it. But this weekend was a great weekend of football. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely was. There was too much football on. There Between was a- college, bowl games, college football playoffs, NFL, there was a lot of meaningful games. I'll tell you, if you were an Ohio, Ohio State fan, your new year could not have started any worse. Just watching watching them miss the field goal as the clock struck midnight. That was, was crazy. It was poetic. It was I felt like I was living a movie. That was actually insane. I've never seen anything like that. Like it was you could not have timed it better. I that with with like almost a maybe a minute left, I I think someone was saying it. Somebody called it where we were. Somebody called it and said like what if what if it ends like right at midnight? I didn't think it would actually happen. That it was it was crazy. It literally hit one, at, it hit zero as he missed a field goal. Think what he, a like, terrible miss! What I don't, a terrible yeah, that miss. was that was terrible. If he made it, what a story! But oh he my, missed. Which yeah, makes it even what, that would have been unbelievable hitting. Would that have been a game winner? To be honest, that would have been a game. Okay, I, I'm okay. Pretty, yeah, that would have been a game winner. Um. Yeah, because that, I mean, that, that time around the game at that point was a little foggy for me. But um, that would have been probably the craziest story ever, right? Hitting a game-winning kick as the ball's dropping. As, as yeah. As Started the, the kick in 2022, ended in 2023. Exactly. <laughs> That's actually crazy. Crazy. <laughs> kick took a whole year to get there. So that was, I mean... Honestly, though, I would love to see numbers of how many people bet Georgia within that game because a lot, a lot of people. So honestly, your book is probably happy that Ohio State didn't hit that kick. Ohio State, they they, they came out hot. I mean, so did TCU in their game against Michigan. Uh, Both college football playoff games. I mean, we were we were wrong. I, I mean. Maybe you were right. You thought you thought TCU was going to stay in it, but th- that Georgia Ohio State game, me and you both of us had Georgia absolutely dismantling Ohio State, and they struggled. They yeah. struggled for a while. They hung in for a while. Yeah, and then obviously, I'm not going to bring it up again because if we have any Ohio State fans listening, we are 100 percent going to lose viewership. But I'm sorry. That's uh, that, that's a game Georgia deserves to win. But I mean, God. It's like, what are the odds? Just a bad way to end your season. You just end the season with a bad taste in your mouth after that. So I was extremely cold this entire weekend on picks. I think the TCU points was probably my best pick out of all of the, the New Year's Six Bowls that were. There's currently one going on that I believe I took Penn State. We both took Penn State. We had Tulane, though. We did have Tulane. We did have Tulane. You heard, that, cool. you heard that here first. So Penn State and Utah, as we are speaking, are locked up 
right about in the midway point through the third quarter right now at 14 all. Is that weird? Is that weird to say 14 all about a football game? I don't know why I just well, said that. I don't that. think so. Huh. I think it's okay. I don't know. It made it sound like we were playing like ping pong or something. Yeah, we were very cold on picks this weekend, though. It was you know, honestly kind of embarrassing. Tennessee, I mean, in Tennessee starting out the weekend, didn't see it happening. I, I thought Clemson was was good for a win this game. Couldn't get it done. You know, Joe Milton in Tennessee, they came out firing. He, he, he looked great. I don't, I don't know what got into him, but he looked great for Tennessee. They they took that game. Clemson looks like they, they looked lost out there for most of the second half of that game. Well, I mean, with the with, with DJ Ugalugalugalugal not playing, they're obviously going to struggle with a true freshman at quarterback. Oh wow, Penn State just broke off like a sixty-five, seventy-yard run. Eighty-seven. I just saw. It. Yeah, wow. So I mean, this this weekend was a little crazy. There, there the TCU Michigan game was obviously, in my opinion, the best overall game of the day. The Georgia-Ohio State was a climatic, climatic ending. But I don't think there's... I, don't, I, I, I can't tell whether I'm surprised TCU pulled out that win or if I'm more shocked that Michigan can't win a, a bowl game. They can't win yeah, a big I, game under Harbaugh. I think, I think it's more the Michigan side. It, they, I thought for sure that if there was anything we could count on Michigan to do was play good defense, and we didn't see that. Max Duggan picked their defense apart. And it, it, he didn't just do it with his arm. He was doing it with his legs, like, the whole game. And he ran and just all over watching the that, watch him, watching him pick apart the Michigan defense was sad yeah. to watch. I mean... And it, his, wasn't, it wasn't even like the Michigan played poorly. The defense... You know, absolutely could have pre- prevented some long runs by Duggan. Uh, JJ McCarthy just threw two untimely picks in that game. Yep. They they got off to a very slow start, and uh, a pick six to start off the game is not how you want to start off, and that that's what happened. I mean, they went down seven nothing early after JJ McCarthy got pick six, and you know it. It's still it's a young guy in a in a big game. I mean, what can you expect? There's going to be some nerves there, but TCU just played an overall better game than Michigan. They just they just played better. They were bet- more explosive on offense. They were quicker on defense. They just played an old, overall great game, yeah, and they, they shocked me. I didn't think they had that in them, but they did. And, you know, after that game and watching what Georgia did after them, I can see this this championship being a very close game. Yeah, Absolutely. And that game could have went very differently if they had a, got they had a uh, targeting call, right? Or a supposed targeting call with like 20 seconds to go? Yeah. And that touchdown and they, that and got they called back. That. They escaped that call. So the, the touchdown that got downed at the half-yard line and they fumbled Michigan. Yeah. That was just horrible to watch. So TCU survives in advance, heading to SoFi Stadium to go up against the Georgia Bulldogs. And I haven't looked at a line for this game yet, but I'm assuming Georgia's obviously going to be favored, and I'm sure the points yeah. are going to be a wide margin. I think Georgia's definitely going to be favored. 100%. I'm assuming by a touchdown. 
but I don't know after after what we just saw. Who knows? I don't know. There's something special with the with the horned frogs this year. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know if it's quarterback play, if it's leadership, or if it's just a a whole vibe in that locker room. But they got something special. I think it's going. a vibe. I think they're just a vibe team. They just have a vibe this year that they can just win every game. It's Georgia Alliance. thirteen. Yeah, oh, yeah Jake was gonna. Sorry, Jake. I stole your thunder. It's there thirteen. <laughs> it's thirteen. Yeah, so I'm 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 taking TCU, a hundred percent. That's a lot of points. points. That's a lot that's, of points. That's a lot of points. TCU on the money line plus four hundred. So there's value to be had like, in Max Duggan and the Horn Frogs. I don't know if I like all that, but the the spread, I'll take it. F- Seven out of seven days. You see that video today of Brian Kelly eating the Cheez-Its off the field? Yes. Did you all see the video of all the LSU players getting yelled at for celebrating with the Cheez-It mascot? Hopping into bed with the Cheez-It. I thought it was hilarious. I did too. It's a bowl game. Have some fun. Yeah, have some. it's the last game of the season. Come on. It doesn't need to be that serious. Totally going to have a nice pizza party after that. <laughs> a Hell cheese yeah. it party. Do you think? I would hope How so. How many Cheez-Its do you think they get for being in the cheese it bowl? At least a box per player, right? That yeah, has to be one have. of the gifts. If I, Let me tell you something. If I was playing in the cheese it if I found out I'm playing in the cheese it bowl and I don't get any Cheez-Its... There, there's going to be a fight. So here's the thing that actually makes me curious about the Cheez-It Bowl. So you know how like they every player gets gifts for being in these in these bowl games. Yeah. So you're probably getting the standard like jumpsuit, jacket, t-shirt, whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. But it's all going to be Cheez-It branded, and that's just like. That's so weird. I don't think it's Cheez-It branded. Well, it's going to have the Cheez-It brand on it. It's probably going to have Cheez-It logo somewhere. Yeah. Which, yeah, that does suck. That does suck. There might be a lot of orange, too. That sucks. Imagine if the Tigers made that. The Clemson Tigers made that game. Or the Volunteers. That's a lot of of orange. That's a lot of orange. (laughs) Well, oh, well, they did play in the they orange. They did play in the orange. Yeah, okay, okay. So now we're, now we're now we're getting somewhere. Here we go. Now here we go. The wheels are turning. Now we're just getting warm here. We're just getting we're warm. We're kicking off the dust from the weekend. It was a long week. Hell yeah. It was a good one, though. Much needed. So Alabama is not dead. And Saban, the Saban era is probably not over. As I no, and and I honestly, I would I would really like to take this time just to, for everyone listening, for Jake, Chris, both of you here. Um, I would like to say, Chris, suck it, because you're you were so confident in your stupid Kansas State take that they have nothing to lose, blah 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 blah, and I hit you with the straight facts that Alabama was just a better team overall yeah. up and down the field and they went out there and they showed everyone why they shouldn't be playing Kansas State in a bowl game it's yeah, literally I mean, all you Bryce, can say from the game Alabama was just so much better Bryce Young looked really good 
three three twenty one passing yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Declared for the draft today. Good for him. He should be a top five pick. He probably will be. He'll probably be the first quarterback taken. Maybe the Jets. I don't think so, bud. One can only dream, right? It's a lot of there's other teams that need quarterbacks. But I think Alabama, man, it's this. This was a game that they really needed to win. They really needed to show the world that they don't belong in a non-college football playoff scenario. And now with the playoff expanding into eight games, I don't know if that change happens next year or the following. I'm pretty sure it's next year. It's going to be pretty hard to see a team like Alabama with not only the foundation that Saban has built to set them up for future years with recruiting and just pure talent that that program is able to draw based off their past success, but it'll be interesting to see when will a program of that stature miss an eight-game playoff? Ever. Very rarely. Yeah. As long as I mean, as long as long the trend continues. I mean, if there was an eight-game playoff, eight-team playoff, I mean, which I, I'm, I still which take, I'm, I, I'll I'm take so Alabama happy. as an eight seed at, at some point. Like, I, I'm sure there's going to come a point where a very good team is just going to slip up yeah. in the regular season end up becoming an eight seed and just dominating and winning as an eight seed. It will happen. I'm, I'm, will I'm happen. so happy, by the way, that this this playoff is expanding into to eight Oh, me too. Because me too. I think the, the discrepancy between the eight and a nine seed in the college football polls is a lot wider than the, than the margin between a four and five. I, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because you can make the argument. Alabama was the, the fifth-ranked team in the country. You can make an argument for them to be in. You can make an argument yeah. for Tennessee at six to be in. Mm-hmm. But it definitely well, gets a little LSU. harder. It definitely gets a little harder to say Kansas State at nine should be in. Yeah. So that'll be refreshing yeah, to not I, have I, those I like conversations. The, I really like the eight-team playoff. I, I think it's going to be great. It's going to make college football playoffs even more fun to watch, I, in my opinion. It's going to make it a lot fun to watch. A lot more fun to watch. I know, and, and it, I know a lot of people. There's a lot of people who don't like it. I don't understand why. Me neither. But I think this could seriously help teams like UCF when they made that run a few years back to get into the playoff. Obviously, yeah. I mean, a few it, things also, didn't break Tulane's way. But they're still 16th in the country, and they still got slotted into the Cotton Bowl against USC. Who knows? They maybe if they pick up one more win and go into the into voting at at 11 and two. Even a team like a TCU, like TCU, just had the the right breaks this year. If they had one thing go go the wrong way, then I mean they fall so far. Yeah, but it's still such a good team. So we're going to see a lot of those teams who are just like on the brink, just smaller, smaller programs, not like these at the Alabama, LSU, Clemson, like not all of them. The lower market teams like TCU and UCF and like teams like that, we're going to see them 
hopefully make a run in the playoffs. That's what I think is going to be fun about it because you have more opportunity for underdogs and like an eight seed just upsetting everyone and winning it all. Yeah. Did you see that bad beat today in the Illinois game? Jake, I did not. Jake, I actually did not. Jake was pointing this out to me earlier. Unreal beat for plus three and a half betters. It was plus three and a half. Illinois had the ball with no time on the clock, trying to hook and lateral it to get the ball upfield. And Mississippi State recovered a scoop and score and scored. If the ball was dead, it would have ended 13-10 Mississippi State. That makes me sick just gotta, thinking about You just got to hate that. That makes me sick. You got to hate that. You you can't help but feel for people who were Illinois betters. You really can't. Everyone's been there. It's a scary reality of hopping into the to the points game. <laughs> it is. There's winners on the other side, too. That's true. That's that true. That play mattered to somebody. That's I, I didn't I never think about that. That yeah. was a good point, Jake. So it was a good weekend of college football. And I think I mean like we said last week, I think a week from today we'll be sitting here probably declaring Georgia Bulldogs the national champions, but we'll have to wait and see what happens at SoFi next Monday night. It appears as of now, I mean the spread is ridiculous. Thirteen is a lot of points, but it, it looks like Georgia's going to walk their way. Not even walk. They're going to dance their asses into a national championship ring. And Utah just threw another pick here. So now they'll have um, – yeah, so now Penn State will have the ball. 21-14, six minutes left in the third. So looks like they'll be controlling the pace in this game. But it looks like Georgia a week from now is going to be walking into SoFi and probably leaving as national champions unless TCU can pull off a miracle, which, hey, I'm I'm rooting for him, but – I don't have, have all to. the faith in the world. Me neither, but you have to still. All right, moving on from college football. You know, that was, it was a rough weekend for our picks, but, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a better weekend Shit happens. in the NFL. If you were a New England Patriots fan, this was a good weekend. We this still got one weekend. more to go, but this was a good weekend. Do you think you win this game if – to a tongue of Viola plays? You know, I, I do. I still think we win this game. It, obviously, it's it becomes a completely different game, but I do still think we win. This team's got heart, man. I, I just I, – I don't even think that we're going to make the playoffs and do anything. I really don't, obviously. But if we do get in, it's it's still fun. It's still fun. I still want to make the playoffs every year. Even if we're going to do nothing, I still want to make it. I was going to say, would you sacrifice like a 500 season? Or, I mean, you could, you can go 9-8 and eight now. But would yeah, you sacrifice go, a draft like, pick for that? Because right now you're currently slotted to have well, a 21st pick in the draft. Exactly. Who cares about the 21st pick? Whatever. Right. The The argument and I'm making lose is... Don't would make you, the playoffs. Would you rather have a good 16th pick? 16th pick? You'll slot well, down obviously, five, I would rather have like. I'd rather have a top five pick, but I, in my opinion, if it's not top five, like, whatever, I'd rather make playoffs. So it was a great game. 
I mean, Mac Jones, Mac Jones looked great. Well, actually, I wouldn't say he looked great. He looked looked very good. It was encouraging from the prior weeks. 203 yards, looked, two touchdowns, no interceptions. It was nothing spectacular, but it was very solid quarterback play out of him. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked dealable. He looked dealable. He didn't look like a franchise like, guy, I, I, but I he looked like it. a guy. No, yeah. He looked a lot, hell of a lot better he than Teddy like Bridgewater. looked like a guy I can... Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, I mean... You, you can't help but feel bad for him. The guy just steps on the field and and just breathes breathes injuries. It's insane. Yeah. He got taken out of this game because he got hurt. I think he went to concussion protocol. And Skylar Thompson comes in. Dolphins really had no chance. It's just fair to say. Patriots get the win. Much needed win. Next week, got to play Buffalo. Got to beat Buffalo to make it into the playoffs. It's that simple. Got to beat Buffalo. And Buffalo has. And even if you do beat too. Buffalo, even if you do beat Buffalo, most likely gonna play Buffalo first round of the playoffs in Buffalo. Yeah. Well, Buffalo again, could, and we well, all remember what happened last year. Yeah. And that was a spanking last year up in Buffalo. So that's gonna be rough. What I do want to talk about, actually, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Getting it done on Sunday night, and they very well could make this playoffs. They are very if much Buffalo alive. next week. If Buffalo beats New England next week, and um, and the Jets beat the Dolphins, and the Steelers win, the Steelers are in. Yeah, and yeah. It's been a rough season for the Steelers. They've had questions about Mike Tomlin. People want to know, is he getting fired? Is Has he been there too long? There's been questions with Najee Harris. He's had a very bad season compared to last year. There's questions about Kenny Pickett. It's, did they make the right draft choice? So many questions around the Steelers team, and somehow they find themselves 8-8 eight and eight in the hunt for a playoff spot. It's it's actually unbelievable. They, they're one win, one win and two two lucky breaks away from a playoff spot when at the beginning of the season, it looked like they might end the season with four wins. Yeah. It was a pretty ugly start to the season. They couldn't get really anything productive on offense moving. And now you have guys like Najee Harris who were pretty much non-factors to start the year. The guy's rushing for a hundred plus yards. Now he's returning back to his form from last year, which was an elite running back. And That's it's what all, he was it's, last and, year, 100%. And it's all coming around at the right time for the Steelers. Pickett looks comfortable. The defense looks great. I mean, I know this isn't a, a Ravens team with Lamar Jackson, but they're still a very good team all around. They're, ve- they're a very legit playoff team. And Pickett... You gotta love the fight from the Steelers. Yeah, I, I love it because the last thing I wanted them to do was win four games and then blame it on Mike Tomlin because it's not Mike Tomlin. It's not. They just have they just lack talent on this team is, is what it comes down to. They just they lack talent. I don't think it's Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin's a great coach. I think he's one of the best coaches of our generation, but the Steelers just they lack talent, but they find themselves in a in a good spot here. You win your Week 18 matchup. You hope New England loses to Buffalo yeah. on Monday night. And you hope the Jets spoil the Dolphins' season. I would love for the Jets to spoil the Dolphins' season. That would make my life 
You know what's so much you know, so much nicer. You know you know what's it's interesting. Fuck the Dolphins. With Tomlin and Belichick, and I'm not comparing the two on any coaching level besides the fact that no matter the talent they have on their roster, they will always find a way to make that team competitive. They will make they will it's those types of coaches that will they'll always have a team around 500. Like they'll 100%. never they'll find a way to make very low talented teams a 500 team. I want to talk about another head coach for a second. Ron Rivera not knowing his Washington Commanders with a Packers win on Sunday were going to be eliminated from playoff contention. Yeah, and then he tried I, that's to cover a little ridiculous. It up. He tried to cover it up by saying, "Oh, I, I'm not trying to think about that. I'm trying to think about we need to win. If Dude, we it's win, like, we're in. That's like, like half of your like, job. Don't try is to cover it up. Just say you don't know. Factor possible. Just say you don't know. Don't try to cover it up. But yeah, the Commanders are done because the Packers get a huge win against the Vikings, and they are back, baby. Let me tell you something. Packers shareholders, stand talked, the fuck up. Come on. If someone talked." As much shit as Jair Alexander did before this matchup, well, he and, and, and backed, backed up every up second of it, and and backed it up. If someone did that to me, I would be in the corner crying to my mom. Are you kidding me? If I'm Justin Jefferson, I am. I don't even know what I did today. I want every. I probably I think, took a hot shower for two hours, sat and cried in fetal position. I want everyone to stop for a second and realize that. Aaron Rodgers is still very much a very good quarterback in this league. There was a lot of people calling him done halfway through the season. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it last week too. He yeah. needed to get comfortable with the receivers around him and he wasn't at the beginning of the year and that's where we saw the frustrations and that's where we saw the Packers really struggle. They've hit their stride. Their defense is playing well. Rodgers is playing well. They're getting good run play from Jones and Dylan. They they're looking great and they're one win away from the playoffs too. They're another one of those teams at eight and eight who are so interesting because in the last week of the season, there's so much that can happen. And boy, does does nine and eight for a team like the Packers look so? That record five six weeks ago would have shocked me. Nine and eight from that team. Exactly. It's the same. It's the same thing with this with the Steelers. And I think the Packers are far better than the Steelers are. In the term for Absolutely. how deep they the are Packers, for a playoff if the push. Packers, if the Packers get in, it's it's the same conversation we had last week about Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. If the Packers get in, Aaron Rodgers is going to make noise. He's going to make noise in the playoffs. He's not just going to fold over and let people right. win playoff games. He's he's going to go out there and compete. He's going to have his team ready, ready for a playoff game. But going back to the Commanders game for a second, because I know we, we, we kind of skipped over that fast, but boy, I feel bad for that franchise. And I, and I almost don't understand the Carson. I understand you, you kind of have to. You committed to Wentz preseason as being the starter. He goes down and gets hurt, but Heineke had that team on a roll for a while, and I, 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 don't, I don't love the move to bench him, even though you know the season was dwindling down to these last two weeks, and if you were going to you know, make a playoff push, the season was dwindling push, down, but it wasn't. It wasn't over. The it wasn't over. wasn't over. And I understand and that. I think you it's, have to yeah, give I think it it's, to. I I understand it. it There's probably a lot of pressure from the front office saying we committed to Wentz being the the main piece at quarterback for this upcoming season. You have to at least throw him out there, but 
boy, did I did did I think that Carson Wentz first off did not even look ready to play in my opinion. He shouldn't be playing on an NFL roster. He's not three good. Inter- three interceptions. I mean, that is he's not good. Ridiculous. He's not good. It's, it's it's just fact. The the point is is that they're already paying Carson Wentz the money that they're paying him. There's no reason for him to sit the bench. He could just play when they have to pay Taylor Heineke $125,000 every time he wins a game. He should Taylor Heineke if you're a Commanders fan needs to be your starting quarterback moving forward. And I don't necessarily know what the plans are for the team moving into next year. I don't know if they have necessarily have Heineke under contract, but that should definitely be an know. option for them. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. The Giants clinched a playoff spot, beating the Colts 38-10 to and advancing to 9-6-1. and They have locked up the sixth seed, right, in the NFC? Yeah, the 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 seventh seed is the only spot left in the NFC. Fighting for it is Seattle, Detroit, and Green Bay. So yeah, Daniel Jones looked great again, as he's looked to improve the entire year. Honestly, it's been looking better each and every week. Not as much noise from Saquon this week, but boy, did Daniel Jones four touchdowns, man! Yeah, the Giants are solid. Daniel Jones looks good. Is the first time since the infamous boat picture that the Giants will be going into uh, the playoffs. So, congrats to the Giants. It'll be fun to watch. Even though I'm a Jet fan, I, I love watching the Giants play. I think it's 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 fun to see a New York team back in the playoffs. Of course. And the Jaguars, man, the Jaguars looked great again. 31 to 3. I mean, they decimated the the Texans. There was it was easy work. Trevor Lawrence went out there and did his job. Big game against the Titans week 18. Boy, if you had Gotta ETN, win that game. if you had ETN in your fantasy football championship, handshakes all around. Guy absolutely went off. kind of the it's it, that's the that's the momentum they need for the week 18 matchup against the titans i mean the titans rested derrick henry they just named josh dobbs the starter for the rest of the year i mean the jaguars have everything going their way for this week 18 matchup they look like they're definitely going to win this game and win the afc south and get that playoff spot for yeah, the first looking, time since i'm looking forward to watching that game so yeah the 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 nfc playoff picture Looks interesting. Eagles don't have the one seed locked up yet, or do they? No, they have to win. Yeah, one more. Purdy with the Niners looks great. Who would have thought that? Not me. I was wrong about that. See what he does in the playoffs. In Tampa Bay, down south. So we'll see what happens. I'm not betting against... Brady again in the playoffs. So, nope. when that time comes around for picks, I will be staying away from the Buccaneers. A hundred percent, no question. And then it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the Bengals and the Bills because there's still a route for the Bengals to be the one seed in the AFC. 
unlikely as it is, but there's mathematically not impossible. No, it's not. I mean, they got a big game. Uh, it's probably going to be a playoff matchup eventually. So, you know, I'm excited to, you know, see what, see what Cincinnati has. I would love for them to beat Buffalo. Make my life a little bit easier. So, yeah, overall great week in the NFL. Week 18 will be hopefully just as thrilling as week 17 was. There's going to be a lot of what feels like playoff games, obviously eyeing the schedule down. That Titans-Jaguars game, like you were saying, Zach, is one that jumps off the paper to you. Giants-Eagles, man. The Giants have incentive to play in that, too. But I, I don't even know necessarily if you're a Giants fan if you want the Eagles. The Giants are, are going to rest everyone in that game. They have the sixth seed locked up. They can't go any lower. They can't go any higher either. I would rather the Eagles be the the one, wouldn't you, rather than the Cowboys be the one? Yeah, the, that's what I'm saying. The Giants are going to rest. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully my Jets can hopefully make the Patriots route a little easier. If that's the way you want to nice. go, if you want to get into a playoff spot, hey, I'm not stopping you. That'd be nice. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see what we'll see what happens in the NFL. You know, week 18 next week, and then we'll hit playoffs. And I'm excited for this upcoming playoff. Shifting our focus over to Major League Baseball, real quiet in the free agent world. Real quiet. Not a lot of movement. Nope, not a lot of movement in the MLB. And, you know, they spoil us right after winter meetings when everybody signs. And, you know, you kind of forget what the offseason is really like. This is what the offseason really really is like. Not much happens on a day-to-day basis, but there's still stuff out there that we can talk about. And today we're going to get into the rule changes to 2023. We're going to get into the three big changes to the rules. That is the pitch timer coming to the MLB, the ban of shifts, and your personal favorite, Chris, bigger bases. I'm a huge making fan the bases of bigger bases. From 15 inches to 18. And, you know, I, I, I want to start on there. I want to I start with the bigger bases because I want to get your opinion you're, you've been very vocal that you think this is actually going to be one of the, one of the biggest changes in the rules. So I, I want to, I'll let you take the stage. You go ahead. Yeah. I mean, outside of the, you know, the big ones that were coming in, which were getting rid of the shift and pitch clock. I think this one is not getting as much attention as it probably should. The bases will now be moved up from eight to 18 inches from 15 inches square Home plate will be unchanged from this rule. So the difference is actually reducing the distance between the bases by four and a half inches. So there's no more of those 90 feet between um, between bases anymore, which is it, it crazy. That's changing what the game was for so long. So off the bat, as a baseball fan, that should be ex- exciting to hear that there's changes in the game happening that were not changed for years. The move by Major League Baseball was originally to have players have more room to move around these bags to operate to avoid collisions. 
I think what this is going to be the opposite of that. I think this is going to be this is going to prove to have teams be more aggressive on the base path. There's going to be a lot more speed in the game now. You might see more guys with explosive speed come into games late. Maybe pinch running for some faster guys to <laughs> Yeah, overall I think this will make teams more susceptible to being aggressive on the base paths. This will place a lot more emphasis on athleticism for base runners late in game. I don't think there's going to be two more instances of Daniel Vogelback running the bases later in games. It'll be interesting to see how managers play around with this rule. I think this impact is only positive to the game as opposed to how some people will view the pitch clock. But I'm I'm really interested to see how the ba- larger bases really affect the game. Yeah, I do think I, I think it is going to affect the game a little bit. I think you're going to see a lot more teams willing to steal bags. Uh, I mean, in uh, minor league baseball, they they already tried this out and they did see that you know they had more stolen bases last year. I'm pretty sure it rose from like 22% to 28% of runners stealing base, something like that. It rose a, a good amount of a good amount. And, yeah. you know, it's because of that four and a half inch reduction on the base paths, you know, that four and a half inches, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a lot because, yeah. you know, you see how close throws are from the catcher down to shortstop, down to the shortstop to, to tag him out at second base, you see how quickly the catchers have to be and how middle infielders have to be when they snap the tag. That yeah, four and a half inches, that, that's, that's that half a second that they need. You know, that's that half a second that the runner needs, you know, to just to give him that, that much more of an advantage over the fielder. And I think we're going to see a lot of teams, you know, take more chances on the base paths just because it is it is slightly smaller now. You know, you can get around the base paths faster. And, you know, I'm excited to see if, you know, more teams start running, if more teams try to leg triples into, I mean, doubles into triples, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this truly affects the game in action. I haven't seen a lot of bad feedback from where it was tested in the minor leagues. No, I, I mean, yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's gonna be, it's gonna be bad. I, I, I mean, especially if you compare it to some of the other, some of the other rules that they have put in place in previous years and this year. I, I don't think it's gonna be bad. I, I like that they're that they're changing the game, but sometimes I, I, I get worried about change because sometimes too much change is no good. One smaller rule I'm really happy that Major League Baseball is addressing is limiting pickoffs. Very happy this is being addressed because there is occasionally between a pitcher and a runner, there becomes a whole game inside of a game scenario. And it can be a pain in the ass for even an advanced fan to watch. I shouldn't say advanced, but someone who's a diehard fan to a to a casual view, to a casual viewer, this would be painful to watch. This would be pulling teeth for you. Yeah, it's. It, it, I do like that they're that they're addressing some of the things about the game that you know the casual fan is not a fan of. Uh, 
pickoffs being one of them. You, you see, I mean, you go to any MLB stadium after two, after a couple pickoffs in a row, the boo, the boos start coming out. I mean, yeah. they didn't pay money to go see pickoffs and they get pissed. I, I'm not a fan of the boos. Like you don't need to boo them for throwing over to first base, but I get it. I get it. And, and I like the rule that they're putting in place. You know, they're calling it disengagements. They say two disengagements per plate appearance. So that's a step off or a pickoff. I like it. It's going to speed up the game a little bit. You know, th- this is kind of what they're putting in with, you know, the pitch timer and all the things to try to make the game go quicker. And, you know, we'll shift to, to that right now. The next rule on the list, the pitch timer. Chris, I want to get your opinion on the pitch timer because I, I, hate I it. think it's it, I it's, hate a, it. it's a it's a bad attempt to make the game go quicker. It's it's an attempt that Manfred has to make. So I I think it's I think it's more of the position of the commissioner has to make this decision at some point in the next few years, whether that's Manfred or someone else who's sitting in his position. But Manfred's going to be the scapegoat for this one from baseball purists. Who I don't necessarily would I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm a purist in the game, you know, trying to keep it as, you know, as old timey as possible. But I think this is a little too far in changing the game. I don't. I enjoy watching the cat and mouse game between a a batter and a pitcher. I think the pitch clock is something that people around baseball are really going to have to adjust to, and I think we're going to see a lot a lot of errors come out of this in spring training. I mean, spring training is 41 days away, which is, well, that's exciting in itself, but (laughs) I think this is, yeah, (laughs) this, this is going to piss off a lot of pitchers. How are you going to tell a guy like, I I, I, I know Scherzer is a guy who typically works fast. How are you going to tell a guy like Clayton Kershaw, who isn't typically a fast worker? He's not somebody who's delaying the game. But in a close game in the middle of August when, you know, not necessarily the Dodgers are fighting for a division, but let's say they're fighting a division, a divisional matchup against San Diego and the division's close, Kershaw's on the mound. How are you going to tell the guy that he has to, oh, that's a ball because you didn't throw it fast enough or you weren't set fast enough? This that's is exactly, where... That's exactly what I'm saying. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, it's just, it's a piss poor, absolute piss poor attempt to make the game go faster and you know they put it they put it in the minor leagues and whatever i don't care i don't know if about you i've been i went to a minor league game with the pitch clock dude the guy basically has to run to the mound to start yeah. his wind up every single time now what happens so, if uh, so here it is here it is here's the rules here's the rules so there's a there's going to be a 30 second timer between each batter yep between pitches this is the these are the big ones between pitches there's a 15 second timer with with bases empty and a 20 second timer with runners on base. Mm. Dude, that's that's where it gets you right there. That 15 second timer with bases with the bases empty and the 20 second with the runners on base. That's what's going to kill pitchers, especially with the runners on base because baseball is not like a lot of these other sports, it's a lot of cat and mouse chess game, mind yeah. games that you play with the base runner. You know, if a base runner is not afraid that you're going to throw over, they're just going to take the base. And, you know, I think it's a huge disadvantage to pitchers and fielders and catchers that, you know, I understand re- reducing, you know, the disengagements that they're calling and, 
you know, even though I still think it's a good attempt at at, at limiting game time. And I don't think this is is a good attempt. It's still, it's still going to give such a disadvantage. Think about it. Think about this. Think about this, right? If, if a pitcher, a pitcher now cannot throw over twice in a row just to like, to relax, you know, you, you know, a pitcher throws twice over because they, they want their guy in the bullpen to get a couple, couple extra pitches in that is now done. You cannot do that anymore, which, which I think it's just stupid because if he throws over once, Chris, and then he throws over again, or not even if he throws over once, and then he's got to scratch his balls the next time he comes set and he steps off the mound. Guess what? You should just take the fucking base because he can't step off. He can't. He's physically not allowed to, or it's a ball. Yeah, I think this is also. So what are you going to do then when guys are just stealing bases because the pitcher's not allowed to step off the mound? Look at the reverse side of this. For for the batter, it's going to be not not an easy fix either. We all played baseball here. We know what we like to do in between pitches. We like to fix our batting gloves, kick our cleats. Look at the third base coach. How are you? How are you supposed to tell a guy who's trying to pinpoint a hundred mile an hour cutter coming at him at the top of the zone? To hey, speed up, let's go, get back in the box, let's play. It's not You're telling very, me Aaron Judge is him. trying to hit his 62nd home run? If he, Let's say this year he goes for 63. You're telling me when he's going to hit that 63rd home run, if it's 15 seconds in between fucking pitches, he's going to say, oh, sorry, strike three, you're out. See you, buddy. This, because this will, you didn't get in the box fast enough. Come I'm on. Making it, I'll make Are a you take. kidding me? They have I'm, to be in the box. They have to be in the box with eight seconds left. I'm going to make a take on this right now. That at some point in this following season, this rule, and I'm not saying from a batter's perspective or a pitcher's perspective, I'm just saying this rule change in some capacity will fuck up a no hitter or a perfect game. 100%. I 100%. I think it's going to screw so much stuff up. I, th- I really do. I think it's going to get hard. It'd be really hard to change these guys' mindsets. I mean, the, these guys have been playing baseball since they were since they were five years old in the backyard with their dad. They learned the game. It's like ingrained into their brains how to play this chess game, how to play this cat and mouse, you know, mind games with people. And you know, Major League Baseball is now taking all of that out of the game. Not all of it, okay, but they're taking so much out of it, and you know. Baseball is such a relaxed game. It's supposed to be played relaxed. Like you're supposed, to, you have to be relaxed when you play this game. You have to, you know, go out there and have fun and not feel rushed or anything like that. A batter with bases empty has basically seven seconds to get in the box. Yeah, because they have to be in by the eight second mark. And you know, I'm I'm not necessarily shitting on this rule pitches. as as much as to what it's doing for the game. I understand why Manfred has to make this change. I understand. I come. I listen. I completely understand why he's doing this. The games are way too long. I think last year's the average game was three hours and eleven minutes. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous when you compare it to other sports. The other four major sports are not spending three hours of action on a game for for a casual fan it's it's not going to work for future generations Mm -hmm. it's barely working for our generation if you're not a true diehard baseball fan but i will say this i hate giving manfred shit because i actually do think he has done some good for the game but i don't think this is the scenario where he should be getting praise 
I think agreed, where you can give him couldn't praise. Couldn't agree more. I think where you can give him praise is eliminating the shift. Yep. Absolutely. And that, that that's our third rule that's going to come in 2023 is, is, you know, the changes to the shift. And now th- this is, this is the biggest change in, in our game that we've seen in a while. This is going to change how so many players hit. It's going to change a lot of people's averages. You know, you're going to see guys like those Joey Gallows of the world and the Anthony Rizzo's and, you know, the Matt Olsons, Corey Seegers, you know, a lot of these big lefties who get, you know, these huge shifts where they got five infielders on the right side of the field. Those guys are going to run themselves into so many more hits than they ever could have imagined because they're still good. They're now going to be able to naturally pull the ball, which is what they all want to do. You know, those natural lefties like Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, they just want to pull the ball. It's all they want to do. And eliminating that shift gives them that ability. And you, we're going to see a lot of players who have struggled in the past probably have better average seasons. Yeah, I totally agree. Because you watched a guy like Ryan Howard get killed by the shift in the later parts of his career in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. And is, is there a penalty for having too many guys on one side of second base? I, I don't imagine it's going to uh, happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I have it right here. If the infielders are not aligned properly at the time of the pitch, the offense can choose an automatic ball or the result of the play. So wow, it, they let the pitch happen. If they hit a home run, they can choose the home run. That's interesting. If they If it's a strike, they can choose a ball. Yeah. I think the shift is going to be – now, now, how far back can they go? Is, now, okay, so so here it is. Here it is. I'll read you. I'll read dirt. you what this is. This is the MLB breakdown of of the rules okay. of what the rule is going to be. Four infielders must be within the outer boundary of the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber. So you got to have four infielders on the dirt. Yep. Can't be in the grass. Which I infielders, don't. Infielders, they don't switch sides. Like that. I don't necessarily like that at all. You know, I'm going to assume that there will be some wiggle room to there, play a little shallow. Sh- yeah, there's got to be wiggle room. It says within the outer boundary of the infield. You okay, know, I, so, I don't know if they have an invisible boundary outside of the dirt. I don't know. They're definitely – I'm sure there's going to be wiggle room. Um, well, you know, you, you know what, I actually? Cannot, you know what I bet this is? So you know how in scenarios of infield flies – infield fly rules where it's pretty much a judgment call on the umpire to make but essentially if a if if any of the infielders creep out into the shallower parts of the outfield grass it's still theoretically an infield fly yeah by by the rules i do think there's gonna be it's if the infielder can make a play without having to extend further than their average position would allow them to yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do think there's going to be some wiggle room with with a lot of these rules, honestly, especially especially at the beginning. Um, you know, th- this is this being the biggest one because you know we haven't seen anything close to no shifts in a while, and you know, shifts have really been be, have become you know a part of our game, and I'm very happy that they're gone. Yeah. Um. So infielders can't switch sides. So. 
a team can't reposition their best defender on a different side of the field to try to get the ball. Okay, I'm reading the rule a little further. Sorry to interrupt, but it, it does answer my question. So th- this rule does not um, preclude teams from positioning an outfielder in the infield or vice versa, have a shallow outfield outfielder. No, no, that's just outfield. Yeah, that's just outfield, though. You right. Can't still, you can't put an infielder in the shallow grass. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I guess because that because then theoretic, theoretically you'd have four outfielders. Exactly. Oh, makes sense there. Okay. You know, I, I, you know, I really think this is going to be good for the game. We're going to see. I, I feel like we're also going to see a lot of guys focus more on average than power, which is, in my opinion, good. We're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot more balls in play. I think we're going to see strikeouts go down. People's approaches to the plate are going to become so different. Yeah. You know, and these guys who get shifted on constantly are you know going to be able to open up their full potential. You know, I have a list right here most hits lost since 2020 because of the shift. You know, we've got Corey Seager on here, Matt Olson, Anthony Rizzo, Charlie Blackman, Max Kepler. Those are the top 5. You know, those guys who are just pull hitters are going to be able to use their strengths finally. They haven't been able to use them in years. And they're finally going to be able to lose their strength, use their strengths, which is pulling the ball. Yeah. Well, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the feedback has been good through minor league baseball. So I do have faith in that regards that, you know, this isn't something we're jumping into blindly. I, I, I do think this, these changes, obviously nothing's permanent. Maybe, you know, if the pitch clock does deem to be, not as useful as they expected it to be. Maybe that could be voted out in a future CBA. But this CBA is uh I think I think generally we're looking at it in a in a positive light. Although, you know, off the bat we don't love the rule changes. I think there is some excitement to be had with rule changes and I do think this opens the door for robot robot ooh whoa. Robo bumps, excuse me. I didn't know if I was going to say robot or robo. And, you know, actually, you, you talk about robo bumps, and you know, th- that could be a whole different episode because, th- you know, that actually makes me very angry. The robo bumps, I think. I have a very if, if different that, If that happens, if that happens in the MLB, we will lose everything that makes baseball good. Everything. I disagree. I don't know if you really want. Do you really want to get into this right now? Because I, we'll be here for another hour talking about. I think we should do. I think we should do. I think. I think we should. I think we should do an episode on this exclusively. But all right, you know, if we'll anybody this, wants to hear an argument about, we'll robot save it for arms, a rainy we'll day on this one. But I think, I think, truly, overall, the game is trending in a direction for RoboWumps, and I have no issues with that. And before we depart. This conversation, I'll say one thing. The worst thing that television could have done was adding a virtual strike zone on every single person's TV screen at home because now you've made millions of umpires around the globe. 
Now you're okay. Congratulations, you're not now, an actual now, umpire though. You can't call balls and strikes. Now you're holding the game to you a certain standard because we know the answer to every single play. So but now, who gives turn, a fuck about the standard, Chris? You're you're a fan. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Who gives think, a shit what you think? You're a fan. I think overall, the game is trending in a direction where these umpires are being called out way too frequently on bad calls because like I said, everyone knows their errors now. As soon as they're happening, it's instantaneously. Every viewer knows okay. if, a, if a ball was called correctly, if a strike was called correctly. And I think the players know this as well. But it's like that in every single sport now. It's like that with everything because everything has a microscope right, on it because everything is recorded from a million different angles. Sure, but balls I mean, and you strikes can use this argument have for always been almost alone. anything. Balls and strikes have been left alone. There's no other comparison in any other of the major sports to compare balls and strikes. What's going to happen? Because that, that, that is the only major rule of any sport that still relies on the human element to be correct. That's There's so no, false. What do you mean? What do you what, mean? What other sport what is a, a non-reviewable a ref in football? A ref in football. But it's you're telling me they don't see they don't see holding, and they're like, "Oh, I don't see holding," or they do. They either see it or they don't. It's up to them to decide if they want to throw the flag. Right, but it's not as game changing as balls and strikes are. What do you mean? How is it not? Because how how could it not be? There's Chris, but here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. And honestly, this is the last thing I'm saying about the topic because you're pissing me off and we need, we'll talk about this another time. This is the last thing I'll say about robot umps. What you're gonna, what's going to happen if they put robot umps into the MLB, this is what's going to happen. Guys are immediately going to be like, okay, this is my strike zone. I have this box here and that's it. And they're all going to know it. They're all going to know it. So you're going to see less chases. You're going to see more walks. You're going to see less strikeouts because they're going to have no reason to swing at any ball outside the zone. If it's a fastball outside the zone, why am I going to swing at it? Those ones that are on the edge, I ain't swinging. Yeah, and that's almost like how the game should be played, right? There should be a set strike zone for every player. And I shouldn't have to guess on whether the umpire is going to call low balls today or high strikes because we've seen this happen. That's too how the many game times. works, Chris. That's how the game works. That's sure, the point of the game. Technology. Sure, before. What technology. do you mean before? No, 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 no. It's not technology. It's technology bullshit. Fuck you. It, it, that's how the game works. You have to play the game. Everyone has there are parameters, but then. You have to play towards your ump. That's the perfect part of the game. That's why people love it. It's beautiful. I can't believe you of all people, like I did not think you uh, of all people would be for this robot ump shit. Like it's it's blasphemy what they're trying to do. It blasphemy. If I see a robot ump, I I I may never watch another baseball game. I'm not even kidding. It'll end up saving the game. I think it's the, the dumbest game. possible thing. It'll it's end the up dumbest saving thing the game. Do. Saving the game. A hundred percent. Saving the game. One hundred percent. Baseball, 50% of baseball fans probably, probably, I'm making this stat up obviously, but 50% of baseball fans probably are like 45 plus. You think they want to see a fucking robot behind home plate? No. They want to see Bill Miller, whatever the fuck his name is, and uh, Angel Hernandez. That's who they want to see. They want, give me Angel Hernandez. I don't want to see Angel Hernandez anymore. I do. I do. You've you've officially pissed me off. 
to the fullest extent of the law. Like I'm, I'm so mad. All right, good. You can you, you can have your human umpires. No, we're done. We're done. We're done. Picks. Let's go. Powered by Riverside. All right, so there's some good games coming up this week. So uh, what are we looking at, lads, for some picks? You know, I'll go first. I I got college basketball this week. Um, People are, you know, people are already saying that I'm, you know, the best pick giver on the internet. Um, I haven't heard this. You know, I'm great. Um, You know, I'm really good at picks, making them a lot of money, and everybody else on this podcast is really bad at picks. Um. So, you know, I'm going to keep the hot streak going. College basketball tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Mississippi State plus 10.5 against Tennessee. I, I love it. It's, you know, it's a big-time upset. They're both 11-2. and two. Tennessee's ranked 8. Mississippi State is unranked. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm really liking Mississippi State. Uh, fuck Tennessee. They won a bowl game. They can't win this game. I'm taking the Marquette Golden Eagles on the road, minus two and a half against St. John's in Queens. I think Marquette is overall the better team. I don't think St. John's has looked as good in recent days. St. John's sucks this year. Marquette just came off a win against Villanova. I know they're not the Villanova of last year, but Marquette in the last two games comes off, I believe, one road victory. One road victory at Seton Hall and a win against Villanova. So I like them moving into this game. They're moving into a new year. So, yeah, I feel like Marquette minus two and a half. Jake. For me, uh, I'm going to stick with hockey. I'm going to go the Coyotes-Panthers game tomorrow night, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Six and a half is the over-under. We're taking the over. The Panthers let up an unreal amount of shots and goals, and the Yotes probably won't win the game, so we're going over. I love your thinking. Look at you using that brain. College degree, guys. Hockey guys. If you got it, use it. And now it's time for All right, everybody. everybody's well, favorite segment of the week. We're going to get into, you know, something very sad. And, you know, that's roulette because we're really bad at it. We do. And we, do. we, I mean, we are due. And it's just starting to make me really depressed. I think every time like, we have spun the wheel or every time we've selected a random number, I feel like we've gotten a high number. And today we got we have four, so I'm excited to see. Hopefully the hopefully the odds are in our favor here. I hope so. Hunger Games. I didn't even. May the odds be ever in your favor. We are spinning, everybody. Twenty six. Damn it! Come on. Now we get it in the 20s, of course. 
this is my pissed off face for anybody watching the YouTube. I'm pissed. All right, everybody. All right. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening today. Uh, Come on back on Friday. We'll have another episode on Friday. Love you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys on Friday. Love you guys.